0: You're listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. When I was six, I was on a soccer team called the City Park Tigers. We played on the fields outside the Colorado Museum of Natural History and I was approximately the same size I am now, which is to say very tiny. Most of the girls were bigger than me, played better soccer than me, had more powerful kicks than me, and practiced ball drills on the weekends while I was reading a book in a treehouse down the street. My only real soccer talent was speed. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy playing soccer. I'm just saying I wasn't usually the first kid picked during scrimmages. So one Saturday morning when I finally got the ball from a teammate, I knew my time had come. I ran so fast towards the goal that no one on my own team, let alone the girls on the other team, could keep up with me. I kicked, I scored, and when I turned around to celebrate with my teammates, the shocked faces of both girls and parents let me know that I had just scored on my own goalie. It's not that I really wanted to be a soccer star or play my way into college the way that some of the other girls did, but that I wanted to prove something. I wanted to strive for success and, get after the ball, as my coach would always yell at us. I didn't feel like a cool enough kid reading my bridge to Terabithia alone in the top of a tree. I wanted to show my team that I was worth the uniform, which still fit until a couple of years ago. (laughs) Even as a six-year-old, I was striving to prove myself. And it's not just six-year-old bookworms who do this kind of thing. Does anyone remember Tim Tebow? This guy so captured the Colorado imagination that hashtag T-bowing was the biggest trend of the year when he played for quarterback for the Denver Broncos in 2010. (laughs) T-bowing, for folks who luckily don't know, is when you get down on one knee, pray with your head bowed and one hand pointed towards heaven, no matter where you are, or what anyone else is doing around you. I've seen photos of people t-bowing on their bosses' desks, (laughs) in crowded elevators, in line at Chipotle, (laughs) and in front of their perfectly parked parallel car. (laughs) The reason people were t-bowing is because for two mercifully short football seasons, Tim Tebow would, after every touchdown, skip the traditional and wildly popular end zone dance and instead kneel down and give thanks to God and Jesus for his touchdown. Now listen, I give thanks to God every time I find a parking spot in Capitol Hill, so I'm not really in a place to critique, but for you I will. So, what does the 2011 Denver Broncos football season have to do, really, with Jesus? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) On the grassy hillside near Tiberius. Tiberius, which was known in that time as a land of sharecroppers forced off their fields. Jim Crow style indentured servitude and a migrant population with barely enough food to feed themselves, let alone a family or community. Tiberius, visited by the one whose only priorities seem to be universal health care, food security, and forgiveness of unpayable debt. Tiberias, a city full of those who could strive their entire lives and never score the proverbial touchdown, never catch a break, never even have time to read a book, let alone in a treehouse. Tiberius, the place where 5,000 men, and please note, the women and children were not mentioned, so let's just call it the place where 15,000 people gathered in the middle of a work day during which they could find no work. Just to hear what their fellow migrant worker had to say about miracles and the kingdom of God. Now, the feeding of the 5,000 is a well-known scripture, enthusiastically embraced by biblical literalists for the apparent magician's trick of pulling 5,000 loaves of bread out of a basket meant to hold seven. Now, I don't really take issue with this miracle, but if you are amazed by a God who can make matter seemingly appear out of nowhere, then you've never seen the weeds in my yard. Truly I say unto you, those weeds came out of nowhere and nothing, and are plentiful and multiply across thy neighbor's yard. And what God's hand hath wrought cannot be unwrought by any method, including those of the devil, known commonly as Monsanto Roundup Ready. Amen. But what really catches my eye about this scripture is two short lines which are often passed over in our rush to get to the multiplying miracle. When the disciples came to Jesus, full of worry and anxiety that there won't be enough, provoked into those thoughts by Jesus himself, Jesus says only to them, have the people sit down. And then he feeds, person by person, all who are seated. Jesus said and did this for the people of Tiberias. Those displaced, oppressed, disenfranchised, whose entire lives was just being on the hustle for the next meal. Waking up early to get the good day job at the work center, showing up at dawn to receive what little bread there was in the bread line. Jesus says to these people, sit, and my bread line will come to you. And for those of us who are Greek nerds, of which there are actually many in this church, you will know that the word sit in this text is actually better translated as recline. As in the Greek word that means recline upon the breast of your neighbor. As in the word used by ancient Greeks to say recline upon the breast of your beloved neighbor for you are at a feast where you are the guest and you will be served until you are full. Jesus says that to the people of Tiberias. You, beloved ones who strive all your life, have no more goals to score on either team, no more touchdowns to complete, no more taking big hits from the opposing defense known as the Roman Empire as you fight down the field. You, people who struggle and long and fall far short for reasons you cannot control, recline and I will bring the feast to you. One of the most common scriptures used for Christian mission and conversion is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. King James Version, of course. Tim Tebow, our hashtag quarterback hero, painted this scripture on the eye black, under his eye during every football game. But honestly this scripture only carries me so far. Its engine is only so powerful. I hear it and I feel a burden of guilt. I feel fear and I worry that I don't have the belief required to merit the gift of a filicidal God. I feel like little girls in tree houses who score goals on their own team just aren't good enough for this scripture. And I wonder if Tim Tebow was worried that if he didn't score enough touchdowns for Jesus, he wouldn't be worthy either. I mean, the Broncos did boot him in two seasons, and some do call that God-ordained, but that's another sermon for another time. What does interest me is the fact that this feeding of the 5,000 shows up in all four Gospels at least once, and in two of them twice. So what it sounds like Jesus is really saying is more like what I hear in John 10.10. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. What is closer to that life than mouths full of bread? And lovers reclining upon each other while they sit in the grass. Now that's something worth converting for. That's something worth painting under your eye during your football games. That's something worth sharing the good news about. God came to earth as a migrant worker. And she came that we may have life and have it abundantly. That's good news that will travel. That people will give up a precious day's work for. Recline like queens and kings upon a grassy hill and allow bread to be placed in our mouths by the one who came that we may have overflowing ease. So when we are in our own bread lines, when we are out on the hustle feeling like we can never get ahead, when we are displaced from our homes and our own hometown by unpayable rent, when we are underpaid for our good work, when we are cut short for our many reasons that this world cuts us short, I want you to paint John 10.10 in the eye black on your own face. And remember that Jesus gave us the Sermon on the Mount with the verbal Beatitudes. But he also gave us kinetic learners the feeding of the 5,000 to show us how it's done. Blessed are the sharecroppers, for they shall receive bread. Blessed are the migrant workers. Blessed are the children detained at the border. Blessed are the internally displaced and those crossing seas. Blessed are the women who aren't mentioned Blessed are those who recline at a feast in the middle of scarcity. For they all, and you too, shall receive bread, and receive it abundantly. Amen, and may it be so. You have been listening to the Sermon Podcast for House for All Sinners and Saints. If you like what you've been hearing and would like to support the ongoing ministry of our church, just go to our website, www.houseforall.org, and click on Give.